There was an idea. Dormammu, I come to bargain. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Bunch of jackasses standing in a circle. Asking Robbins always finds out. Hire for the faster way. Are you Tony Stank? I am Iron Man. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, the show where we reassemble the MCU piece by piece, movie by movie, episode by episode. I am your host, Eduardo, and I'm joined by two of our wonderful hosts. We've got Peaches and Robbie here. Chris is still uh, in a little bit of a transition, but hopefully we're going to get him next week. Chris, Peach, what's going on, guys? How you doing? I'm sorry, Robbie, Robbie Peach. Doing? Damn it. <laughs> You just got to rub salt in the wound because I'm just sitting here thinking about how much I really wish Chris, uh, like, I totally understand. But, man, I want to talk to him about what we've been seeing on these episodes so badly. So badly. Yeah, same. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, sincerely, but, I, you know, for humor. Yeah, same. Yeah. You know, I didn't even ask about this, and maybe I should have read it, but apparently you have cruise shit to talk about from last week. So I almost played my kazoo. I for for a second, for a hot second, I forgot we were recording, and I had my kazoo in my hand. You guys know you keep something on your desk to fiddle with, right? Like everyone does that. And like the the only thing I have on my desk to fiddle with is this kazoo. So I'm gonna put that far away from me. Yeah, I went on a cruise. I I briefly talked about it last week, and I meant to like dive into it a little bit more, just because it was a really good experience, and I just wanted to like gush about it. More importantly. I almost had to quit the podcast because there was Marvel trivia on this cruise. And I texted you guys and I said, if we don't win this Marvel trivia, I have to retire because I am clearly not the person that I claim to be on these recordings. (laughs) We did lose the Marvel trivia, but we lost by like one question. So there were 25 questions in this trivia. One of the questions was worth six points. And we got two and one third of the questions wrong. So we got 26 points. The person that beat us got 28 because he got the six point question fully correct. So I'm bringing this up because I want to ask you guys the trivia questions and see if you would get them right to see if I would have been able to keep my podcast job (laughs) had you been on the cruise with us. Okay. Okay. If you don't get them right, listeners, feel free to like write us with the answers. But I don't want anyone to look up the answers. That's cheating. Don't look them up. I just want to know if you know these three that we got wrong. So okay. I'll give you the six, the one that was six points first. We got four of the six. What does SHIELD stand for? In the current run of the MCU, because it's oh. stood it stood for like four different things over the course of time. So the MCU SHIELD, what does it stand for? One point per letter in the acronym. I've written this out for this podcast multiple times. And <laughs> now, now I'm really I sad, Chris. Right, here, right. This is exactly yeah. the kind of thing Chris would be good at. Strategic homeland. He's listening right now and going, say this, you morons. <laughs> Espionage and intelligence division. You got division, right? And okay, strategic, cool. right? Got it. What was the H? Homeland. I said Homeland. Okay, you got Homeland right. Eduardo, uh, you want to try for the IE and the L? <laughs> no, nah, I'm good. It's not. I, I said intelligence and espionage. It's the L is sure. logistics, right? Oh, wait, there's an L. You got the L, right? <laughs> an L. There you go. The L is. <laughs> you spelled Sheed. <laughs> Sheed. 
Well, so, I also, I put the E before the I, so yeah, you did. shide. Shide. Yeah, so you guys, you you didn't get the two letters that we missed. Okay, great. Next question. I'm going to say this exactly as it was written in the trivia, and I will spoil Wait, the intervention question. Wait, in, intervention? That is, oh, also, that is also correct. Okay. So I'm going to say this one exactly as it was written. Spoiler alert, the way it was written confused me, and we didn't get this question right, obviously, or I wouldn't be asking it. What is Yondu's arrow's name? I don't know. I do not know. <laughs> do not know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Hey, sound editor, will you put that song in there? <laughs> Eduardo, you got anything? Uh, no, I don't know what his arrow's name is. All right. Last question. In Captain Marvel, in the scene where Carol Danvers crashes into the blockbuster, she picks up a copy of a VHS from one of the shelves. What is the VHS that she picks up? <laughs> I think I've seen this Your movie. reaction is exactly Christ. mine. <laughs> is it Terminator 2? No. Home Alone? No. I have no idea. All right, so that's the trivia. Uh, I'm glad that we would all have gotten the same score because yeah, we got I, the rest of them right. So I don't think the shield one, even though I didn't know it, I don't think the shield one's that obscure. Those other two are the shield one cuts. wasn't obscure, obscure, but um, I like we were all the way you do it right there, right there, right there. <laughs> it wasn't. It wasn't, but it was one of those where as soon as the guy read the question almost everyone in the room was what was like do we get points per letter <laughs> but no otherwise the cruise was a great time i can't recommend cruises enough you guys i like i ate so much i gained eight pounds which i don't know if that is above average below average whatever it is but when they tell when people tell you like you go to dinner and you can order as much as you want they are not hyperbolizing they are not being dramatic about that you can order everything on the menu as many times as you want. My server, okay, I had this moment where I had, um, it was a scallop dish that had like scallops, a risotto in the middle, and like asparagus surrounding it. And it was a dish that I took a bite of it, and then I put my face in my hands, and I was like, the tears were on the edge of my eyeballs. They were ready to come out. That's how good it was. My server just happened to be behind me when i made this gesture of almost crying into my hands and he was like peach do you want me to bring you another one of those and i looked at him and i was like peter i ordered five desserts <laughs> <laughs> and he said yeah but that portion is small and i immediately looked right back at him and said you've convinced me please bring me another one <laughs> please so I'll have another is it one yeah. of the ones where you keep the same server the whole time you're on the ship yeah, so all four days that we, um, so one of the days we we spent extra money to go to like uh, a different restaurant that is not included in the package, but that server was still in the kitchen or in the restaurant um, for their like breakfast and lunch service. So I saw him that day too. But yeah, the whole time he was there, and by the end of it, he's like, he didn't really ask me anymore on the last day about dessert. He's like, "Are there any you don't want?" <laughs> <laughs> because i just kept ordering every dessert so i can't recommend it enough it was a lot of fun but you know i, I i'm still kind of salty about this marvel trivia although when i learned the answers i 
I didn't feel too bad for missing the questions. So maybe next episode, I will tell you the full answer to all three of those questions. So I will say real quick, I looked up the answer to the Captain Marvel one. I think I did actually know this at one point, like when I was reading the IMDb trivia list at some point, I think it went in and out my head, but I'm pretty sure I have read this prior. More importantly, though, looking at a still from the film, it is not in focus. Like you'd have no. to know what that box is. You can't read it. You can't tell. It's it's just a nice Easter egg. It's Is that the best kind of trivia is like something so subtle that almost no one gets the answer right like at what point is the trivia too hard is it is that it Hmm. because there's no reference to that movie in captain marvel she just picks up the box and looks at it and then doesn't she like blast a she like blasts a cardboard cutout of like matt damon or somebody uh or brad pitt or something i don't remember it's a true lies poster whoever started it is a true lies poster it is a true lies poster so, oh, that's why I was thinking of Terminator 2. My brain was going in circles because in True Lies, he goes into, True Lies, he goes into a blockbuster and sees a Terminator 2 poster. Mm. My brain was thinking True Lies and I was thinking, no, it's Terminator. And now they tried really hard to make doing. that movie a 90s movie. And basically that yep. blockbuster scene is the only Correct. like 90s part of that whole movie. <laughs> yes. Correct. And the Nine Inch Nails shirt. You're, you're yes. sure. <laughs> That's no people still wear wear nine inch nails shirts, man. It's yeah, but people still wear Nirvana shirts, and they were really big in the nineties. Hmm. Help me! I broke apart my insides. Help me! Okay, that's all I've got. Red rum. <laughs> Red rum. Red rum. So if you want to support Robbie saying red rum into a microphone over and over again, you can do so over at <laughs> patreon.com slash assembly required. You can join our patron exclusive discord. Uh, listen to us talk about our initial reactions to when we watch episodes or any of these movies. Uh, be part of our larger conversations about the MCU and any other topics in between. We also do community nights all the time. Uh, so come on down. Patreon.com slash assembly required. Red rum. But today, we're going to be discussing episode three of Hawkeye, Echoes. Wow, that's kind of on the nose. Directed by Bert and Birdie and written by (laughs) Katrina Mathewson and Tanner Bean. So synopsis, we start another episode with a flashback. This time, I don't know why I said synopsis, as if (laughs) I'm like Ron Burgundy right now. I was so confused. I should have been like Roman numeral three, synopsis. Cut this out or keep it in, whatever. We start another episode with a flashback. This time, 2007, where a young Maya Lopez struggles to fit in at school due to her hearing disability, though she still excels due to being gifted. We see a Maya bonding with her father who teaches her she can overcome her disability by learning through careful observation. She puts this to use at a karate academy where she carefully observes and is able to take down larger opponents despite having a prosthetic right leg. Before her match, Maya's father gives her a pep talk, but she tells her he has to work and uncle will take her from uh, will take her home after class. A large man, face unseen, in a black suit with nice cufflinks, pinches Maya's face and chuckles. Now, Robbie, you you had a realization here. Uh, you had a realization. You're like, damn, I'm on to I'm on to something here. I I know what's happening. And I'm the only one. And then you found out. Words. And then you found out the rest of the internet was with you all along. <laughs> so 
I, I want to go through my thought process. I, I really wanted to talk about this, but this isn't where... When I was first working on this episode, I didn't think this is where we were going to talk about this and then then went through a bizarre thought process. What I thought at first was I had a wild theory I didn't even really believe. Like, I didn't think, nah, this will actually happen, but I wanted to speak it out into the universe like Mephisto in WandaVision. And so I thought, absolutely got a surveillance stork, but I'm going to talk about it. What I actually thought was, we'll say this to the end of the episode when we talk about where is this going? And I'll just ask you guys if... So uh, do you think Uncle's important? Do you think we, we have a bigger villain? Because I'm going to blow your minds with my wild theory. And then I texted some people and they're like, you're joking, right? I'm like, no, I actually think it. Like, And someone said, go to Twitter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, okay. That's Kingpin, right? Uncle is Kingpin. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right? So like, in the comics, Maya Lopez's <laughs> uncle yes. is Kingpin. Yes. I mean, and that's a little so, on the nose. But right. So, right. I do. I want to talk about Maya Lopez. Um, I, I did not realize in episode, I think maybe this wasn't a secret. We were supposed to know this. I didn't realize in episode two that that was going to be Echo. Not a character I'm super versed with, but I'm aware of Echo. Echo is a, um, she's a, uh, started as a villain working for the Kingpin, a, a daredevil villain with same thing. She, she, um, has a hearing disability. She's completely deaf actually, I believe, but she has fantastic observational skills and uses those to, Perfectly mimic combat, almost kind of like Taskmaster. Um, perfectly mimic combat, fantastic fighter, Cheyenne Latin American. So it, 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 it obviously fits very well in the Daredevil universe of, you know, overcoming disability and that sort of thing. But yes, correct. Kingpin is liter- Wilson Fisk is literally her uncle. Um, her father uh, worked for the Kingpin uh, and was killed by the Kingpin, but her father worked for the Kingpin, was killed, and then she um, ended up, you know, Wanting to avenge him. Eventually she does become a hero. She becomes one of the new Avengers, which I think is where I know her from. Uh, Also, I don't know if y'all already know this, but for a little while, she was Ronan. So I I clearly, and and I guess, so we have an Echo show coming and I did know that, but I just wasn't paying attention to the fact that she was going to be introduced in, in this show. But so, yeah, so the, the black suit shows up on screen and pinches her, pinches her cheek. And I'm just thinking, Oh, Maybe it's the kingpin, but I didn't actually believe it. And then I start thinking about, oh, so if that's Maya Lopez, and I go, I decide I'm going to go and I'm going to look up, okay, it's Maya Lopez. What's, oh, and then also we see Fat Man auto repair, and I'm like, Fat Man, oh, it's the kingpin. But at this point, I'm still thinking that I'm just surveillance stalking. (laughs) 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 So so I go and I look up some Maya Lopez information just to be kind of prepared because I think we need to talk about Echo on this episode. And I realize, wait, I, I actually did not know that she started with the kingpin and that he's her uncle. So I'm like, okay, come on, come on. I can't, this can't be a thing. So then I rewatched the scene and I'm like, okay, that's Vincent D'Onofrio. It's absolutely Vincent D'Onofrio. So, so, and I think it gets back to something Peach was talking about last episode, which is none of these people are threatening. None of these people actually feel like the villains. We talked about maybe it's Eleanor. And I still think that's a possibility. I, I, one of the things I think they might pull is maybe Eleanor is actually the swordsman and it's a bait and switch. I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I think it's possible. Um, but we, you know, we talked about not really seeing who the, the villain is. And I think it's very clear now that we know who the villain is. I don't know how present he's going to be in the show. Maybe it's just an Easter egg. But yeah, I, I thought I was crazy. And then I thought maybe I'm clever. And then I found out, nah, it's everyone. Because I watched the episode two days late and didn't pay attention to any social media. So cool. We get the kingpin, y'all. That's, oh, oh, another one. The Christmas party is in the kingpin's apartment. 
my wife and I were talking about that at the time we were watching it. We're thinking, why is this so, so important uh, from season three of Daredevil Kingpin's apartment from season three of Daredevil. My wife and I are watching it. We're like, why is this, why is this familiar? And we were just thinking, yeah, it's a, just a New York shooting location. We've probably seen before. And then we went back, like, nope, it's a Kingpin's apartment from season three. So that may, that may still be a coincidence, but uh, yeah. What do y'all think? Stork or Nork? <laughs> That's the easiest trivia question we've asked on this episode. Amazing. I can't wait for this to be like Swamp Thing or something like ridiculous <laughs> and us to be completely wrong. And we're like so sure. Like everyone's like, come on, man. Like It's, it's a DC it. crossover. It's right. Solomon Grundy. <laughs> no, it's definitely Kingpin, right? Like it absolutely is Kingpin. I... I don't know if there's much else to say. It's Kingpin. That's right. what we're going to get. I, we're going to get Kingpin. I think it's pretty obviously Kingpin. I don't think they're trying to hide anything with that. Uh, even though they like wouldn't show his face. It was like almost, it'd almost be too much if they showed his face. Because mm-hmm. we would expect him to maybe do more in the episode. Instead of being like a hint at what's to come. But I also think, again, having this realization last week. That we, we don't have very many episodes of this show. If we do get Kingpin, even though a lot of these other villains haven't felt threatening to me yet, then we now have a show with two heroes versus Kingpin versus Kate Bishop's mom, who I really believe you is probably a villain, versus Swordsman versus uh, Echo, who may or may not convert, who knows, be an antihero. But we also have the end credit scene of Black Widow suggesting that Yelena Belova is going to make an appearance in this show. And so that seems like a lot of villainery to make an appearance in only three more episodes. So my suspicion is Kingpin is going to be, they're not necessarily going to grapple with Kingpin. They're not going to beat him, send him to prison. And I guess... uh, Maybe there's no fight with him. He's just like a, a figurehead in the background of this series. And... He ends season three back in prison of Daredevil, which I know is a spoiler, but I think it's kind of important for the conversation here. I'm, uh, I'm now, totally to the, yeah, to the bus. That's right. fine. For all I know, he could have gotten out or, or something, but I'm not sure. Like, I don't think necessarily he is going to be, you know, the one they deal with in the finale as much as, you know, more of a, oh, is the kingpin all along. See you next season, Hawkeye. He better um, sing. <laughs> I want Vincent D'Onofrio singing. It was kingpin all along. Absolutely. So... Yeah, I think probably some manner of this is bigger than the tracksuits, but we've handled the tracksuits is going to go on. And yeah, because I, I, I think you're right that that's a lot to grapple with. So I think really they're not going to. Yeah, I agree. I think if anything, it's being saved. I think with the rumors of Charlie Cox showing up in No Way Home and Vincent D'Onofrio now going to be in this, the implications of more Daredevil is probably pretty high that being said it's kind of strange because you're gonna connect this with the netflix universe and that's significantly darker more gruesome i mean like a kid watches say they daredevil does show up in no way home they go oh daredevil's so cool let me watch daredevil stuff on netflix (laughs) and then they watch netflix and like oh my god this is horrifying (laughs) like I, I, I find it interesting that they're bringing these characters and not that I don't like them, but that like, mm-hmm. how do you explain that to a child? You know? Yeah. I, I'm retracting my very politically charged rebuttal <laughs> to what you just said. 
I'm honestly okay if it's more just a recognition that they exist in this universe. Like, I'm totally okay if it's just, yeah, Kingpin is behind a bunch of the crime in New York. This show is not about Kingpin, but he's there. I am 100% down with one of the theories that Charlie Cox will not be Daredevil in No Way Home. He's just going to be Matt Murdock. And I'm oh, completely I'd, down with that. I almost guarantee that. Yeah, I am completely down with it. It's just, yeah, he's just, he's Spider-Man's lawyer. Like, if you watch Daredevil, you know there's more to him, but that's fine. Like, and that's how comic books handle things a lot. A lot of times his characters show up and they're not part of the story. It's just reminding you there's a larger universe. So you're absolutely right. If someone watches this, you know, what glorified I'll be home for Christmas romp and goes and then goes, okay, now let me see what happens. Oh man, what happened to that man's head in that car door? It's, <laughs> you're right, that'd be jarring. But I still do like the idea of them reminding us that these acknowledging that they exist they're connected they're part of this universe it's it's fun you know some people in the super mario world community on twitch uh whenever you ditch a yoshi to like make a a a jump or something whenever you drop a yoshi into a pit some people don't like to accept that yoshi died instead they say that yoshi got teleported to disneyland so maybe that guy's head got teleported to disneyland (laughs) (laughs) but just a head isn't tall enough for height restrictions no but he can eat at bengal barbecue and that's what's important i think a few other important things to talk about with maya lopez before we continue any further uh so maya lopez traditionally in the comics has a white handprint on her face. And so when her father puts the bloody handprint on her face, it then mirrors how she would have the handprint from her comic book character. Didn't um, even make that connection. Also, Aliqua Cox is the actress who plays Maya Lopez. She is also deaf. She was born deaf. And there is there are reports out there that to make her feel more comfortable on set, because this was her first acting job, Jeremy Renner and Haley Steinfeld both learned some basic sign language to help make things a little bit easier for her. So that's pretty cool. That's awesome. That's really great. I'm yeah, there's some that. excellent representation happening in this series. Do we know if her prosthetic leg is real or is that part of the character? Cox is also an amputee with a prosthetic leg. That's real. All okay. Right. Very good. And unless I've just never known that is original for the show and and yeah. fine it's a it's a good invention but it's original for the show because the in the comics she does not have a prosthetic it's really cool i'm glad that they i'm glad that they did that and i'm glad that mm-hmm. the the people supporting her on set you know learned some of learned some asl well and we're gonna get a lot more of her because she has her own show that's gonna mm-hmm. be coming out probably next year mm-hmm. so we're gonna get a lot more echo as an adult Maya continues to win matches over larger opponents utilizing her keen observation skills. After one match, she returns to her father's garage, Fat Man Auto Repair, where she finds Ronan slaughtering people inside. She finds her father just before he dies from sore wounds inflicted by Ronan. He tells her to run, but she refuses, staying to embrace him as he passes away. At an abandoned KB Toys warehouse in the present, yeah, okay, KB Toys, Clint Barton and Kate Bishop are still being held by the tracksuit mafia. Lopez comes out to interrogate them. She interrogates Barton through American Sign Language and chastises him for using a hearing aid, saying not relying on technology could help his skills. 
Clint tries to convince Maya that Kate didn't know what she was doing in the Ronin costume, and that Ronin has not come back. When Lopez asks Barton how he knows, he says because Ronin is dead, and he was there when Black Widow did it. Frustrated and not believing, Maya attacks Kate, but is pulled by her men. As she is, Barton escapes from his bonds and runs from the tracksuits. Wait, wait, wait. Is that how Yelena gets involved? Because she doesn't initially believe him when he says Black Widow. But what if she takes that lead and goes after current alive Black Widow? Maybe. My guess is that Yelena understands who Ronan was and she will see Ronan pop back up on TV and be like, Mm. that's Hawkeye. And then that's how she shows up. Interesting. Okay. Just something I hadn't thought about till you just said Black Widow out loud. Lopez proves to be an even match for Barton and destroys his hearing aid. However, Hawkeye eventually finds his bow and arrow and uses them to begin subduing Maya in the tracksuits while also freeing Bishop. Kate herself is able to hold her own against Kazi, I'm not going to say the last name, Maya's right-hand man, and the two eventually escape. Kate and Clint steal a car and begin a car chase with the tracksuits. Due to Clint's lack of hearing, the two find it difficult to communicate, but start to figure it out as they escape. Barton drives while Bishop uses his trick arrows to start talking about tra- t- start taking out tracksuits. Excuse me. Now we get a fun little car chase here, and Peach, you were digging the car chase. Honestly, I think that this is, and and I don't have them like all fresh on my brain like I do this one. I think this is the coolest car chase that we've had in the MCU. It might be the coolest car chase I can think of in movies, knowing everybody calm down that I am like one of those people that has seen a shockingly low amount of movies. Um, So just keep that in mind. But I really love how this perspective starts with the camera in this car chase, how you're like in the car with them and you're kind of going back and forth and you're in the moment. I, I just like that camera angle and I think it's really fun. In particular, I also love that because they can't because Clint can't hear Kate he's trying to help but it's not really helping all that much and she has to pull all these arrows that she doesn't know she doesn't know what they do because as she says none of them are labeled so she just has to try her best and we haven't seen we've seen some trick arrows in the MCU but we really haven't seen that many like per you know movie right like he has one or two in a one movie he's in and another in a different one. But most of them are pretty like basic, I'd say more sort of like uh, James Bond style spy gadgets. Like he has a plunger arrow in a previous movie. I don't remember which he has the one that turns into a uh, uh, like a rope that he can swing from. Like those are pretty normal. I say normal, but they're pretty like, you know, spy movie type arrows. Now we have like acid arrows and the putty arrow and one that is just a bomb and the pim arrow and all these cool things. And I just loved not knowing at any moment the first time I watched that car chase, just like, Kate, I don't know what arrow I'm about to use. Let's find out together. I thought that was really cool to see. Uh, in particular, I really liked the one that pulled all the Christmas trees <laughs> toward, yes. toward the car. That was really funny. And I just think that that scene also had a lot of great humor in it too. Like, all of the quips back and forth between the two of them after the car chase was really great too, where they're sitting on the subway and on the subway train 
and Kate is saying some stuff and then Hawkeye has a moment of sincerity toward her and then basically mimics all the things she already said. The look on her face when the Avenger that she looks up to unknowingly has the same train of thought that she had and she has like that giddy smile. I was like, oh, that's so sweet. So really that whole scene, I just had a really fun time. And when I watched it the second time, even though I knew which arrows were going to happen at that point, I still had a really good time watching it. I have one small criticism with it, though, and I feel like they wasted their acid arrows. Why did they use the acid arrows on the stoplights when they were already in a car chase anyway? They were already probably breaking a lot of traffic laws. I feel like they should have saved those and used them for something else. Like the tires of the other cars? Yeah. (laughs) My interpretation of that was that they took down the stoplights not because they could then ignore the law. It was so that they could stop traffic so that people wouldn't get hurt as they were coming through the intersection. Oh, okay. I guess, but they could have dropped traffic lights on cars. (laughs) That's how how good of archers they are. They didn't. That's true. That's true. Okay, well, that makes more sense because immediately my thought was, you're already speeding and driving in yeah, reverse. Why are you taking out. a... <laughs> <laughs> you weird ass. <laughs> I feel like I feel like this would be a pretty universally liked thing, though, right? Prove me wrong, Robbie. <laughs> no, I do agree. No, I'm, I'm actually glad you said it because I actually wrote a lot of notes on the car, uh, car chase. I think, I think I like this episode just a hair less than y'all. Um, because it was mostly just, so this is going to be, this is one of the things we talk about as Soundlord were here. I think this episode was very much a, one of those things we talk back and forth about is, are things part of a larger whole? This was a great part of the larger whole, but entertained me less as a standalone episode because it was origin story and action sequences. And that's, and, you know, I still agree with Eduardo that the action sequences are fine, but after watching Shang-Chi, a little bit not as exciting as Shang-Chi, which is praising with faint damnation. But that's not to say it was bad, and I wrote a lot about this car chase. I'm not a car chase guy, but if you're going to get me to like a car chase, this is it. Because I think I agree with you. I can't think of a car chase sequence I have ever enjoyed as much as this. The single cam in the backseat for a lengthy sequence was inspired. Like, that was that was some fantastic cinematography. Uh, really, really cool. Great at keeping you in the action. Great at actually letting you see what's going on. Um, that was that was amazing, and I'm assuming extremely hard to pull off. Uh, you're right about the character interactions. Um, you know the 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 song uh, that's a TikTok trend. Uh, I understood the assignment. I feel like yeah. that's uh huh uh huh uh huh. Right. We have two archers with bows and arrows, and that's not necessarily that exciting. But the the writers and the directors understood the assignment, especially in this episode of, well, we got to make that as cool as we can. And so they did. Uh, <laughs> when, when he pulls out the pim arrow and I realized what was going to happen in that scene, I literally gasped out loud. Like when I saw the pim on the arrow, it, it's oh, so cool. Speaking of that, sorry mm-hmm. to interrupt you. I yeah. noticed after I watched the episode, because, you know, mm-hmm. I typically wake up a little bit earlier than I would for work on Wednesdays and I watch the episode initially Mm -hmm. in the morning before i start work so i watched the episode then a few hours later on twitter i saw what marvel's twitter does every single week when there's a new disney plus show and they like put a little a little clip uh, a little trailer up on their twitter and hey the new episode of this show is premiered whatever 
they put that scene in their little teaser trailer, but they they very much Hulk and Wakanda the pim on off of the arrow. God. So the arrow that he fires, the pim arrow that he fires to make the other arrow giant just looks like a regular arrow in that trailer. Interesting. I thought that was pretty crafty of them. That is crafty. I Yeah. To a lot of what you said, I think this just gets back to what I've really liked about the show and I mentioned last episode. So I'm glad you took this this um rant and I could just piggyback off of what you said is they continue to very creatively subvert common tropes. This was a, a very interesting subversion of car chase. Like it was a car chase sequence, but it had bows and arrows and harmless slime on windows. And it was, it was just a very good take on a car chase, but also this movie, the, um, this episode had continuing with the Christmas theme. They're in an abandoned KB toys warehouse. It's there's suspenseful music as a man swims through a giant ball pit. Um, it's just, uh, it's just very clever that they continue to make very creative decisions as to how they're handling very familiar schemes from, from fiction. And I just think that's really cool. I, I'm still not going to be a car chase guy. Like even the coolest car chase I've ever seen is not really going to make me that excited. Cause it's just not my thing. But this was probably the coolest car chase I've ever seen. I mean, you guys keep saying that, but you guys need to watch more Fast and Furious movies. Those are where the real car chases are. That That's why I put that little, uh, the asterisk of saying I haven't seen many movies because I may shock you. I have not seen a single Fast and Furious movie. Ever? I think ever. We got to marathon th- those bad boys. I think I've seen three. That feels like a lot. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I think I've seen three. I think what I like about this one is I'm I'm not entertained by the cars. I was entertained by the cinematography and the use of the arrows and the character interactions. Peach, I'm uh, we're eighty something episodes into this show, uh, into assembly required, and I'm starting to realize a through line. And maybe this is just you as a person. Mm-hmm. You are like, this was funny. This was a good scene, and that's like. The the peach is special. This was funny. I liked this. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> this car chase, it was funny. It was good. <laughs> you know, but sometimes things they try to, like, like if I go back to my thoughts on Guardians 2, sometimes funny doesn't work for me. Like, sometimes that's, Drax being well, that's funny because too often. It wasn't funny. Well, okay, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, fu- here's the other thing, though, man. You you guys know me. I laugh at everything. I Everything makes me laugh. <laughs> So almost everything in theory should be good. <laughs> well, I've been trying to rationalize in my head why you like Rogue One so much, and it's because of K2SO uh, and okay. because he's funny. And you're like, K2SO, well, funny, Rogue One, good. K2SO is my favorite character in Rogue One, so you might be, you might be on something. <laughs> now I can't wait for the Lord, the Lord family to listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> the two end up being courted on the Manhattan Bridge due to traffic, but combines a Kate trick shot with a perfectly placed Pym particle arrow to create one giant arrow that destroys the last tracksuit truck. Then the two escape to the subway. We get a, a, a fun little subway scene here with them like talking about what just happened and like uh, they, they have the fun little conversation about where he tells her that she's one of the best archers in the world and how they, you know. It's a fun little scene between them and I found myself in this episode being like, man, I really like Jeremy Renner. What's like, 
different about this? Like, what is what's so different about this episode versus the last two that I like Jeremy Renner so much? And I was like, oh, duh, it's because he's with Kate Bishop. Wow, what a crazy concept! He's with the character that makes him interesting, so suddenly he's a lot more interesting. I like, I liked this episode so much more than the first two episodes because I got the two of them together. I found myself enjoying the the watching experience much more because I find their relationship really interesting and a lot more endearing. I honestly find his relationship with her more endearing than I find his relationship with his own kids. Oh like, yeah. Like I, I, I don't, well, she's a good actor. Fair. <laughs> yes. <laughs> fair. And so I, they, they need to be getting together for the rest of the series. Like I don't, they should not be apart for the rest of the series, unless Hawkeye is going to like die or something like they need to be together for the, the whole rest of the series, because that is when this works, when these two characters are together or when she is alone. But if Jeremy Renner is alone again, (laughs) I'm going to say, I'm probably not going to have a good time. I think you might be dunking on him a little too hard. I mean, I'm not saying that we shouldn't dunk on him, but I think you might be like, you're dunking on him and you're trying intentionally to make the glass shatter on the back of the... <laughs> First of all, I am from Orlando where Shaquille O'Neal did that. And so, yeah, yeah. and then years later, Dwight Howard did that. So let me tell you, that's exactly <laughs> what I'm doing. That's fine. I, I, I'm just saying, I think that's what you're doing. But no, I agree with you. Their chemistry works so well in this show. now that they're like, they have an episode where they are fully together the whole time. And I already talked about how much I like that subway scene, but I also really thought the scene where his son calls and he gets help from Kate writing down all of the things that Nathaniel says, I think that's a really sweet scene. And it like kind of shows how caring Kate is, but it also shows how maybe stubborn Clint has been in kind of being a ghost and not need like feeling like maybe he doesn't need help with anything and kind of showing like you can think you're a badass all you want but we all need help right from time to time and i just liked that scene a lot and i think that this whole episode was a good showcase of what those two actors can do when they're playing off of each other in these roles so what you're saying is that what we make clint's kids interesting is we have kate bishop there Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> yes. That is listen, I will backboard shatter dunk on the kids all day long. That's fine. <laughs> Take that, Johnny. Yeah, Nathaniel, you little shit. <laughs> Go make yourself some dinner and read a book. Yeah. I'm definitely Team Eduardo on this one. Like dunk on Jeremy Jeremy Renner as much as you can. Uh, <laughs> he absolutely cannot carry. And and I don't necessarily it's I think it's some you know Jeremy Renner and you know some what would Hawkeye. Suck is if, out of all of the people that have ever been in MCU, Jeremy Renner is the only one that's ever listened to this podcast. Oh, no! He's like, he's like no, the, the no! he's like the only uh, assembly required fan in the entire MCU, and he's listening to this, and he's like, "Come on, listen." Guys. If that's true, I hope he listens to what I just said. All right, I'm listen. I'm not listen, your biggest Jeremy. fan, but I'm on your side. Okay, <laughs> Jeremy, you have excellent chemistry with Haley Steinfeld. <laughs> hey, I remember thinking you were good in SWAT, that movie from like 1999. He was good in so, the one tag movie. For the record, 
I'm not so much sure it's Jeremy Renner in a vacuum as much as it is Jeremy Renner and the MCU creation of Hawkeye that combined force can't carry this show. But I'm with Eduardo that once the characters are together, it's compelling and very interesting. And that needs to be what continues. Although you know, you know that the finale is going to have to separate them so she can learn on her own and probably save him. And so it's gonna, they're going to get separated again. Sorry, Jeremy. I appreciate your loyalty. <laughs> By the end of this series, they're going to change their tune. Don't worry, bud. Don't worry, pal. Thanks for listening to Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. I don't know about that. I don't know if I'll ever change my Jeremy Renner opinion. I think think it's a good thing that we're finally introducing Kate Bishop so that we can have less of him. We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to be back with more Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective. Hey, everyone. Peach is here. I thought I'd swoop in while these devilishly handsome past versions of ourselves are taking a break to mention that this episode of Assembly Required, an MCU retrospective, is brought to you by Audible.com. Listen, okay? It's coming real close. I know you're into long-form audio content, all right? Most of our podcast episodes are longer than the thing that we're podcasting about, okay? So it stands to reason that you might also be a fan of Audible, think I'm supposed to legally say the leading provider of spoken word entertainment and audiobooks. You know Audible. All of you have heard about Audible. If you've if you've listened to a podcast, you know about Audible. And through Audible, partnering with us, Assembly Required, Audible is giving out 30-day free trials to their platform. At the moment, that trial also comes with two premium credits, which you can spend on uh basically anything they consider premium on their platform they've got a bunch of free stuff but they also have things you can spend these premium credits on and there's tons of cool marvel stuff on there okay if you want to stay in theme there's tons of marvel things there but i got to tell you i i browsed right when i activated my free trial and it took me about 30 seconds to find some cool stuff that i've been wanting to read for a while i used my first credit to pick up dune you know dune by frank herbert i shocker I have not read or seen Dune, so I've got to put that on my library. And the second credit I used on a horror story, I've been into reading horror since, like, middle of the year. The story is called Ghostland, written by Duncan Ralston. Apparently, it's like a haunted theme park that has got some similarities to the movie The 13 Ghosts, or The 13th Ghost, whatever the movie's called. Anyway, the point is... I am super excited to get started listening to both of these. And if you want to have that same feeling of super excitement, I got to say, it's attainable for you right now. Right now. So help your boys out. Go to audibletrial.com slash assembly required. You can start your free 30-day trial with those sexy premium credits and you can start listening today. Again, that is audibletrial.com slash assembly required. And uh, yeah, I guess that's enough interruption for me. Hey, thanks for listening and enjoy the rest of the podcast. Back at Kate's aunt's apartment, Clint gets a call from his son, but is unable to hear it. So Bishop helps translate. Nathaniel Barden asks when his dad is coming home. And Clint emotionally reiterates that he will be home for Christmas. 
Kate's face betrays that she realizes the mess she created is keeping Clint from his family. Compromised, the tracksuits begin moving out of the KB warehouse. Kazi argues with Maya, saying the pursuit of Ronan is getting out of hand and that Uncle would not be happy if they failed to keep a low profile. Lopez reminds him that she is the one in charge and tells him to, uh, tells him to investigate Barton. Barton gets his hearing aid repaired and has lunch with Bishop. She tries to design a suit for him, purple with a giant H on the mask. Yes, Peach? Are you about to say something about that? Uh, Robbie's actually about to say something about that. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Uh, <laughs> sorry. I just, I have a question. So first off, I like that this show, I like, nothing I'm going to say is a complaint here. It's just a conversation. I like that the show is embracing a little bit of comic book Hawkeye. I like that the comic book costume makes its way in. I like the H on the head. I like that Kate Bishop has to explain the H. That was funny. This was another scene where they had great chemistry. (laughs) Um, But I have a couple thoughts about Hawkeye that I'm just going to connect to one another. First off, throughout this series, we are just openly calling him Hawkeye. The people in the Marvel Cinematic Universe universe know him as Hawkeye. They refer Roger, to him Roger. as Hawkeye repeatedly. It was it was intentional. <laughs> when did that start? Like, I'm not crazy, right? It started here, but, like, they just did it without feeling the need to explain themselves, right? It's like you just started to call your friend a nickname, and everyone just accepts that, hey, yeah, that's his, been his nickname the whole time, even though you just did it. Right? I like, can't think of when he was called Hawkeye in something else, because we've mentioned... I think it was Chris that mentioned that they are specifically close enough to Clint that they call him Clint and he introduces himself as Clint to new people. Which makes sense. Which makes sense. It's just all these people going, oh, you're Hawkeye. Oh, well, that's Hawkeye. Oh, this is your Hawkeye costume. And and again, this isn't really a complaint. It's more just when you think about it, it's kind of weird. Well, we said this. We never. Didn't we say a similar thing with Black Widow when we when we talked about Black Widow? Was that we? Yeah, that Black right. Widow was another one that was never ever said, and then it was, and it was kind of weird. I will say Seems in right. yeah. in the first Avengers, the the guy interrogating her says the famous Black Widow. So at least it did happen there. I don't think Hawkeye was ever said. In fact, if I remember correctly, there were people when he's in Endgame and he calls his daughter Hawkeye. I remember people like, ah, it's a nod to his comic book name. Because that was, I think, at the point, the first time that had been said. So I want to say in Thor, when he's introduced, Coulson says something along the lines of the hawk is in the nest. I believe you're correct. Yes. Talking about him yes. aiming at Thor. Yeah, pretty sure you're correct. I don't know. It's just kind of, it's not a problem. In fact, I, I kind of like it. It's just kind of funny where we just are acting like, oh, yeah, he's been Hawkeye all along. Everyone's always said that. And you're you're fully correct that it's really that, in every show he's been in, every film he's been in, he's been with people that are too close to him to call Hawkeye. We've never seen prior to this what the general populace that's aware of the Avengers and thinks of them as famous, how they talk about them and act with them. So it really does kind of make sense. It's just interesting they feel no need whatsoever to explain themselves. And it's partly also cool because, and we've talked about this as well, the MCU started out one of the things that made it different and made it good is that it was not ashamed and was actually open and happy to embrace its uh, comic book roots. And then it has even gotten more comfortable with that over time. As the MCU has gotten successful, 
wildly successful. They've been even more comfortable with saying, yeah, this is, this is the comics. I, I know there's an example of this that we've talked about that I can't remember. Like very recently, uh, we had it with Mysterio. Like we, 15 years ago, we would not have had a Mysterio like that in a film and it was a success. But this one is just like, yeah, we, we, when we started this, we did the X-Men approach of he's in a black suit. He's not really Hawkeye, but this is Hawkeye. And now it's like, no, nah, 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 we're going to talk about his, his purple costume and the H and everyone's going to call him Hawkeye. You just reminded me of who I couldn't think of in my head. So mm-hmm. I bet what happened is some news broadcast at some point decided to just nickname yeah. some of the ones that didn't have nicknames and nicknamed him Hawkeye, which is a very strange thing for someone that doesn't know the name of a bow wielding dude to call right. the bow wielding dude. Right. And that's probably how it stuck. Cause that's what happened with Mysterio. I was trying to figure out who did that happen to. Yeah. And I couldn't. Yep. Cause well, I'm that's... too busy thinking about Jake Gyllenhaal wearing Taylor Swift's scarf. And let me be really clear. I'm really okay with the fact that I didn't feel like they need to spend a scene explaining this. That's fine. That's cool. It's just, it's one of those things that's funny to think about from the creative process, not so much the, wow, this is bad and it took me out of the movie sort of standpoint, if that makes sense. Speaking of bad, uh, Clint Barton's a bad person. He is a murderer. He murdered very many people. We don't really talk about that. Uh, And it's kind of understandable. It's understandable that the snap made him snap. Like, it's a thing that happens to humans and it's unfortunate but that doesn't absolve the fact that he walked into a auto repair shop and slaughtered everyone. Bad people, but that doesn't mean they're not privy to due process and not just being stabbed by a sword. So, yeah. Not refuting you, not refuting you, but one of your favorite TikTokers believes at this moment that that is a bait and switch and the tracksuit murders is just a person uh, mimicking Ronan to take, to give Ronan the blame for the tracksuit murder. But we do know, again, that doesn't diffuse what point you just said, because we know for sure from uh, Endgame or Infinity or whichever one that he murdered a bunch of uh, Yakuza people. So he's still a murderer. Well, and he straight up talks about, he talks about, going after upper management in the tracksuits and going after their suppliers overseas. Yeah. So I think I'm going to push back on that theory. It'd be interesting if they pull it off, but it's seems like Hawkeye remembers that he did this and, and I I get it. He decided he had nothing left to lose. And so he's just going to go after bad people. And, but understand I, it's completely understandable. It's a completely believable characterization. But that's not the same as saying, oh, yeah, he's a hero. Stabbed a bunch of dudes. It's Kate Bishop's here talking about him as a role model. And he's pushing back on saying he's not a role model. And what Kate Bishop doesn't know is it's because he's correct. He's a murderer, not a role model. Yeah, I don't think I would like it if that was the bait and switch. Because I don't think it's something that we've dealt with yet. We haven't dealt with the repercussions of what Ronan did, right? We didn't have time to. And so far, we've just been seeing that he had, you know, some tragedy with Black Widow, sure. And he is a family man now. But that doesn't necessarily absolve him of all of the things that he's done. So I don't... If that is true, and I don't think it is, if that is true... Uh, I wouldn't like it very much. I think I agree with you guys. The point that she is trying to make is she thinks that's how they will connect uh, like it is in the comics that Kingpin murdered Maya's dad. 
because he hired somebody to put on a Ronin costume and kill a bunch of his own people for whatever reason. That's possible. It's 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 a plausible plot point. I think it's plausible. I don't. I think I agree with you though that I'd rather it be Jeremy Renner because it just makes more sense for the guilt that he seems to feel from his days as Ronan. I don't think I enjoy that person's content very much, actually. What? I love her stuff. I don't think I enjoy her stuff. And to be fair, it's uh, I have a problem with a lot of comic book people like that because like. A lot of the the comic book TikTok or YouTube community speaks uh, down to you rather than to you. So they're like, what you guys don't understand is that in the comics, it's like this. So what you need to be thinking about, and I'm like, no, I don't need to be thinking about anything. I need to be thinking about what the story is telling me right now. And it doesn't, wouldn't necessarily make sense for there to be some secret extra heist when you could just say hey ronan did a lot of bad things and that's something we should deal with in this in this series so i i think that's my issue with those content creators is that they they definitely had a lot of comic knowledge but their whole shtick is that they flaunt their comic knowledge in your face and it doesn't it doesn't feel like we're having a conversation it feels like i am being lectured about what i need to know about these situations which is why i don't necessarily jive with that kind of content i can see that yeah there are definitely Same. creators like that speaking of um creators like that not necessarily tiktok or youtube i can't find it in this like small window i have in the moment but did you guys see the screen rant article by the way god i hate screen did rant. you know I, I did not time... see the screen rant article, i did please the screen rant there was i think they must have deleted it or it's just not showing up in the search that i'm doing but they had this really aggressively titled article about the marvel opened up a can of worms with hawkeye shitting on the costume design from x oh, amount of years that. ago well and i like, saw okay he go didn't ahead no. shit on the costume design he said i don't want to wear an h on my head basically he's like i'm not i don't want to wear that he didn't say no the previous MC, the marvel comic writers are dirtbags he said i don't want to wear that <laughs> that's i hate screen rant so much i don't know why they show up on my facebook all the time and it's so triggering every article they write i hate it i didn't take that as shitting on it at all i took it as a funny nod at something that i grew up with like i i thought it was fun the screen yes. rant article i found by the way was the vincent no- vincent d'onofrio confirmed for and it's just like yeah that's i don't really think that's what happened like it's kind of kind of what happened but i don't think we're ready to write an article titled that yet yeah and i think i i I don't think that titling an article that way and having such strong language about the current mcu shitting on the comics makes any sense because in the world that we have built the classic hawkeye costume would not make sense for Clint Barton to wear. Is he going to be out there in bright blue and bright purple with wings on his face, like shooting arrows at dudes when he's yes. trying to be a covert ops kind of guy? Like it doesn't make sense. He needs to get over the covert part and just <laughs> embrace his role in society. Well, and and we already know he's going to end up in some sort of purple costume because we've seen it in the, like the, the stills for the show, he and Kate Bishop standing like looking, looking badass side by side, both wearing the same like dark purple suit. He's just not wearing the H with wings on it helmet. I'm wondering if the suit is actually going to show up 
they'll they'll find some story reason to justify it and not that he'll like it but that he'll end up in it anyway and we'll see but yeah no i agree with you i kind of wish this is so stupid and selfish of me but i wish we would go in the opposite direction with costumes i want everyone in their most ridiculous costume like i want yes thank you i want them thank you i want them in their just because like I'm tired of the 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 nod because we've done this like a hundred times now where we nod to an old costume and be like oh man that was ridiculous wasn't it and then we like move on and they have their new costume we've done that over and over and over and I'm so tired of the 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 like oh well I would look ridiculous bro you're like an archer it's 2021 what do you mean <laughs> you are ridiculous like who are you what do you what do you like you're I just don't under. I, I don't. I think for a while that was like the thing is that we we needed to be a little bit more uh, grounded, quote unquote, and realistic, yep. and it needed to be like that. But I kind of wanted to head the other direction. Just just go full, like just do it, and not full Monty. That's not what I meant. Just go, uh. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Just if you're gonna do it, just do it. Just have the the suits. It's fun. Honestly, one of the moments that sold me on the MCU was sitting in the theater and um, Agent Coulson talking in the original Avengers and Agent Coulson talking to um, talking to Captain America about, we dusted off the old costume and him going, well, isn't that a little old fashioned? He goes, with everything that's going to happen, maybe people need a little old fashioned. And that was the way for them to justify the Captain America costume at a point when it was still weird to see the Captain America costume on screen. But I'm with you. I think we've gotten to the point that it's like, hey guys, this is a movie about superheroes. They're going to wear superhero stuff. It's <laughs> Right, and that's just, it is, right? It's not, like, well, and we need to stop, I think we need to stop pretending like the superheroes are in our world at this point and start thinking about how the superheroes exist in their world because in their world, superheroes have been around for a while and they are used to superheroes. So somebody running around in a costume isn't as strange as someone running around in a costume in our universe because we don't have people running around in costumes Mm -hmm. unless they are crazy people. And I think Kate Bishop is making that argument. I think... Kate Bishop is written in this episode making the argument you just made. Not saying, now she's not saying, well, in other universes, this might be weird because she doesn't know other universes. In her universe, it's not weird. He is a superhero. He needs to embrace being a superhero. I mean, Mysterio's got basically his one-to-one comic counterpart suit. And as much as we didn't love as a whole, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, Sam's Captain America costume is also pretty yeah. much ripped straight from the comics. Yeah. And it looks pretty ridiculous, in my opinion. It's a good ridiculous, but it's ridiculous. Yeah. yeah it's not, to be fair, his suit from the comics is like not practical in almost any way. Like, <laughs> why he has the top cut off so that his hair is out there doesn't make any sense. Like, it's just not, it doesn't make too much sense, but it's still fun. And I don't necessarily need them to be exactly like the comics. What I need is for them not to care about being realistic for the sake of not being weird to people. Like Falcon, he has wings on his back. He is weird. Like these people need to stop (laughs) being like, oh, these people are going to think I'm a freak. Bro, you are a freak. You're doing all kinds of weird freaky shit and then being like, I don't want the people to think I'm a freak because I wore purple. No, bro. Just, (laughs) Just embrace it. Fair enough. Agreed. 
Fair enough. I mean, <laughs> fair, fair enough. enough. <laughs> Clement says he can't wear a costume because he needs to keep a low profile. Yeah, okay. And says he's not a role model. Kate disagrees, talking about how he's inspired her. I find that an interesting conversation. I found this conversation with Clint and Kate uh, really telling of both of their characters and how they see themselves. And I find it interesting that we're exploring the side of Clint about him not necessarily being a role model. I also think it's a, it's getting a little, maybe a little Batman-y. So maybe we could go in a slightly different direction, but it's it's starting to feel... It's kind of like a... Did you guys ever watch the Arrow TV show? No. So they, No, but everyone told me it was very Batman-y. So they were like, hey, we want to make a Batman show, but Batman costs a lot of money. So what if we made a Green Arrow show and basically just made him Batman? And they were like, yeah, okay. And that's basically what they did. And I don't want them heading in this direction of this like dark brooding mentor that has the bright sidekick that, you know, steers them and says, I'm not a good person. Uh, and I'm not saying this is heading that direction. I just want them to maybe get a little, maybe slightly less Batman-y. Doesn't that make more sense though for, his name is Oliver Queen, right? Yes. Doesn't that make more sense for him? Because I thought he was basically Batman, but with a bow. Isn't he also a rich dude? Yeah, so yeah, so that's like saying Iron Man is basically Batman with an Iron Man suit. I mean, well, I, I think that takes. <laughs> yes, I think the problem with that argument is it takes their motivation and like yeah, principles and the way their characters act. Like when I talk yeah. about Green Arrow, like Green Arrow in the comics and Green Arrow in a lot of like uh, digital media, like animation and stuff. Is like a really bright and chipper guy. Like he's a very positive, compassionate, like person. He's not like Batman, who's like darkness, oh, sadness. Okay. Whereas the Arrow version from the CW show was absolutely a like dark and brooding, you know, tortured gotcha. okay. character like Batman. I see what you're saying. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, and while I think it's an interesting conversation for for Clint to have, I want them to be not that this is an original. I just want it to be a little, just a little less Batmany. I'm a bat. You know what I feel like it is though. I feel like it's more meta than that. I feel like it's Hawkeye, kind of coming to terms because he said this in the first or second episode too that like there's not Hawkeye costumes on the shelf, but there's Iron Man costumes on the shelf in the MCU. There's Thor costumes on the shelf. Like I think he has sort of. Not only does he see his role as a ghost, you know, he says that verbatim, but he also doesn't see people praising his work at the same level that they praise these other heroes that are in the spotlight. And I think that's part of his struggle is that he's like, yeah, clearly I'm not that important because it doesn't seem like people care about me. You know? Like a little bit of a Napoleon complex? Well... I wouldn't I don't know if I call it a Napoleon complex, but more so like a maybe he has some imposter syndrome, you know, maybe he feels like. Yeah, I'm just like like a lot of people's criticism when Avengers first came out and of Hawkeye for a long time is, yeah, he's the dude with the bow and arrow and these guys either have superpowers or a crazy suit or blah, 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 blah. And I think this is his like meta version of saying Y'all, I'm I'm just Hawkeye. I'm just a I'm a guy with a bow. Like I'm not anyone's role model. I don't have things selling with my name on them. They just you know, li I'm not as important. You know, I feel like it's more imposter syndrome than anything. 
even though he knows he's good at what he does, he doesn't probably feel as important. That's fair. Makes it kind of sad. Bishop surmises Ronan must have been someone close to Barton, and he doesn't deny it. After lunch, Clint tells Kate about the tracksuits, saying vaguely, there's someone above Maya, someone you don't want to deal with. Oh, it's the kingpin! <laughs> Uncle! Mephisto! He talks about how Ronan took out the tracksuit suppliers overseas, and their upper management in New York creating bad blood. Kate continues to push a suspicious connection between Dak du- Jack Dukens and the death of Armand, so the two go out to their mother's pen to her mother's penthouse, God, to investigate Kazi through the Bishop <laughs> Security Database. There they find Kazi's employer as Sloan LTD, which Barton says is familiar. No, I think it was more I think she the Kazi was an employee of Sloan LTD, but that was a company that oh. was within it's supposed to be employee. I just accidentally wrote an R. No, yeah, no, no, it's no, no, employee. No. Yeah, no, he's an employee of Sloan LTD, but Sloan LTD oh. was part of um, one of the companies that like works with the security agency. Like, I think when she was like, oh, he's an employee, oh. I think it was more like, oh, yeah, oh he right, works right, for right. like us. Yeah, you're correct. And I think that's... Rethinking through the... And that's in, important because it continues to push the theory that Eleanor is actually a bad person and is behind some of the nefarious things going on. He leaves to investigate the sound and is suddenly held up by his own sword in the hand of Jack, ending the episode. So we talked about the swordsman last week, but I think a big part that we didn't talk about was that the swordsman actually trains Hawkeye in his younger years in the comic books. So he was a mentor to Hawkeye for a while. He's the one that trained him hand-to-hand combat, how to use a bunch of weapons in the comic books. They get split up, and then eventually he becomes a villain. But he's like... A, a mentor to Hawkeye. And I think there's a reason this episode stopped right here because maybe next week we find out these two characters actually know each other. Interesting. And then if they do know each other, then at what point do we go, wait, he's not actually a bad guy. So who is the bad guy? And that is when Mephisto shows up. Oh shit. <laughs> That's it. That's it. This is how so- we get the X-Men. <laughs> That's a Nork for sure. Don't even try to stork that, listeners. That's a good point. I mean, uh, I I like it. I don't know if I would put stock in it, but I like it. Because it feels like he goes back to that whole, like, he just goes right back to that whole, no, I, I stay hidden. I don't know anybody sort of deal. But I could see, like you said at the end, not jokingly, that's how we shift the... No, Jack isn't the bad person in this relationship. Uh, it's Kate Bishop's mom. It's Eleanor. I know we talk a lot about how we don't like origin stories, but I wouldn't hate getting maybe just a little bit of an idea of how Hawkeye became a super freak archer in the first place. Like right. We get that from Kate super Bishop freak. because she saw Hawkeye, but how did Hawkeye decide, you know what? I read a lot of Robin Hood growing up, and that's my bag now. Like, where? How did he get from point A to point B? And maybe that would be a little interesting to see a little bit of young Hawkeye. Here's the plot twist. He didn't grow up that way. He just went and saw Lord of the Rings and goes, that's me now. And then just did it. Smart. <laughs> you know what? If that was the case, he'd be way more into LARPing. That uh, is true. You're right. You're yeah, right. no, that's, right. yeah. Okay, it's a stork. <laughs> that's the soundest point I've heard today. <laughs> 
He'd be like jazzed to put on the winged H helmet. He'd be like, no, make it now. Where are we going? So ratings, Robbie, what are you going to rate episode three of Hawkeye? I liked it. I, I What I would say is I like the, uh, the whole of this show more than the individual pieces. I think this is one of our, one of our situations where we've got a, a six part movie rather than a series that stands alone quite as well. That said, that does not mean I don't enjoy the episodes. I've just, I'm really enjoying the, the bigger season more. (laughs) Alexa, you're drunk. What just happened? (laughs) Okay. I'm going to start over anyway. So I like, I, did like the the episode um, quite a bit. I'm giving it seven Pym particle arrows out of ten. Peach. Yeah, I. I don't know. I. I think we go back to this very, what I consider easy to bring up topic of. It's just a movie broken up into parts versus a TV show. So many TV shows operate like this, especially ones that we love. So I don't think it's necessarily a good or bad thing to like classify something like that. But regardless. I had a lot of fun with this episode and I had a lot of fun the second time I watched this episode. Um, I hope that the episodes continue to be this fun. I gave it eight and a half dongle arrows out of 10. Eduardo. Damn. I should have picked an arrow. Damn it. Yeah. There's so many choices. All right. Well, I liked this episode a lot more than I liked the first two. So I gave it eight noise free breakfast out of 10 because that's something I would kill for nowadays. I'll bet. I'll bet he has a noise-free breakfast arrow. Just smash your hearing aid. That's what I got to do, yes. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about this during the show, but what do we think we're going to see next, and where is the show going? I'm very interested to find out who is pulling the strings of all this, who this uncle is. Um, I think we'll get an answer, I, but I don't really have an idea. It could be, could be a monkey. It could be a monkey. I think I go back to um, all of the possible villains that could be in this show. I think what I want to know next is how are we fitting them all in slash if we are trying to fit them all in and will that be overwhelming or not? I don't think it will be overwhelming, but I'm just curious to see how it goes because the more and more we talk about the whole Eleanor secretly being the bad guy in that relationship thing, the more I think like, yeah, I mean, She's been living with this dude that owns a bunch of swords. Maybe she walked over to, to you know, Armin's house and stabbed him and thought they'll surely think this is Jack because Jack's a douchebag and he collects swords. Like, it just seems like it lines up the more we talk about it. So I'm, I'm going to go on the record of saying I lean against Eleanor being the villain, but I absolutely think it is in, within the realm of possibility. Like, I don't... Didn't you bring it up? Oh, it was me. It was me. <laughs> It was, oh, okay. it was, it was brought up, but I think it's a completely reasonable, like, I, I think it's a completely reasonable theory. I just lean against it. Um, I think we're probably going to get more of Jack is the villain. He's just kind of, Jack is the villain, but he's not threatening. He's inept. Echo is the villain, but she's going to blah, 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 realize error of her ways. And Kingpin is the actual villain, but he's going to be the one behind it. Not actually tackled in this series so i think that's where we're heading but that doesn't mean i kind of don't know and i think that's refreshing um it could be eleanor i wouldn't be shocked i mean i my guess is that we like peaches has said multiple times we only have three episodes left and so i think they need to start by next episode we need to start consolidating what what we're doing with this show i think so far it's been a very 
broad show, right? Like there's not that much of a through line going on except for butterscotch. And so I think it is almost time to sort of, I think by the end of next episode, we're going to have a much better idea of where this up, where the series is headed and who we're going to get as villains. I think we get some cameos at the end, but I don't think we get like, these are the big villains of this show. I think we will get a big villain and then some cameos at the end. I agree. I hope it's power broker. I do not. There's going to be like a world a word scramble, and then it's going to scramble back and be Victor Von Doom. Oh shit! Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm guessing Elena gets no more than a cameo. Yeah, Tom Mavaldo Riddle. My uh, my guess is that they're going to do some sort of team up with uh, Yelena and um, and Kate Bishop, and potentially She Hulk and Miss Marvel. And I think we get. I think people have said Dark Avengers because of. Uh, because of what's his name from our Falcon and the Winter Soldier, but I would I'm kind of leaning more towards Young Avengers. I think that would be a really I agree. interesting. Take. I agree. I th- I think they're gonna go with the. I don't think these people. I don't think Patriot and you know New Black Widow. I don't think they're actually going to end up being villains. I don't think Elaine DeGeneres is actually a villain in this. I think they're setting up a Elaine DeGeneres. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, Elaine Bennis, the generous Elaine Bennis. Elaine Bennis. Elaine DeGeneres is a, Ellen DeGeneres is one hundred percent a But I think uh, a pretty common trope that works out very well in the comics in in Marvel is. We always have those, the, the also-ran Avengers, the Young Avengers, the New Avengers, the, the West Coast Avengers, the Great Lakes Avengers, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I think they're kind of trying to set up their, sort of what the um, uh, the Defenders were, but in a more MCU, Disney Plus style, trying to set up a, a team they can have of, you know, Kate Bishop and Yelena and, uh, you know, She-Hulk and, unfortunately, Patriot. I think you're right. I think that's where they're headed. The Michigan Chiller Avengers. Yes. That's the one. How did you know? Why do I keep saying Patriot? US Agent is what I mean. US to say. Agent, yes. I forgot US what his, I forgot what he was because I didn't like him very much. Ellen DeGeneres. <laughs> US DeGeneres. <laughs> I think that's gonna do it for this episode of Assembly Required an MCU retrospective. If you'd like to support the show, you can do so. Assembly required. I'm sorry, patreon.com slash assembly required. Huge shout outs to our Avengers level patrons, Brian, Riley, and Adrian. Want to email the show? Assembly required cast at gmail.com. Huge shout outs to our sponsor for this episode, Audible. If you want to follow the show on Twitter at ABCD Eduardo one for myself, uh, at assembly required for the show, D underscore peaches for peaches, Phil Good three for Robbie and Gator Sex 2010 for Chris. That's going to do it for myself, for Peaches, for Robbie. We love you 3,000. Bye, everybody. Red Rum. Boobly, boobly. That was terrifying. Crumb thick and lip licking gingerbread. Can't think about rainy weather now. I finally got myself together now. Fresh out of the pan, sweet gingerbread man. Fresh out of the pan, sweet gingerbread man. I'm twirling the cane made of 
peppermint. Uh huh. Uh huh. Nice sticky hands, sticky peppermint. Uh huh. Uh huh. Spun sugary cloud, I'm floating on a sun spread my suit of sugar coating on a all tasty and tan sweet gingerbread man.